Chris Kelsey here with Matt Howell. And in this episode of The First Run, Matt and I are going to discuss Halloween Kills, the latest in the trilogy brought to you by David Gordon Green and Danny McBride. The direct sequel to the first film, Matt. Remember, all of the other movies get wiped out, even the OG Halloween 2. So how does this latest entry in this relaunch series fare? Well, seems to have riled up the uh, internet community, for sure. Then our body horror marathon continues with Tetsuo the Iron Man. And we'll talk about what's coming up in physical media this upcoming Tuesday, October 26th, featuring your streaming and straight-to-DVD picks of the week. Finally, Matt and I will wrap up the big show by sharing our five favorite Michael Myers kills in the Halloween franchise. But Matt, this is open. I'm not confining us to just these two films so far, or three, I guess, at this point. These three films. It's all wide open for you, the Michael Myers fan. Let's start everything off then with a clip from Halloween Kills. Tommy! Tommy, Tommy you can't go in there! Lori. Tommy! Lori! Tommy! He killed Marion, and he attacked Lindsay too. What? Karen! We didn't know for sure. I didn't know what to tell you. Mom, I just want you to be okay. Listen, I just want you to know, when he gets here, I'm gonna kill him. Because 40 years ago, when I was a kid, yeah. you protected me. So tonight, I'm gonna protect you, okay? Nurse! You know, I appreciate you, but could you get out, please? Like, get out now. We had him. How did he escape? I don't know. I don't know. What do we do? We don't have the police support. We fight. We always fight. We fight, Matt. Why don't you tell the fine folks at home? They're, they're putting their little Halloween candy packages together. Halloween is fast approaching. And what is this latest installment, Halloween Kills, all about? Much like the original John Carpenter original sequel picks up like literally right after the first one ended the trap spoiler i guess the trap that was set by laurie strode and her family to kill michael myers is uh thwarted by um some firemen and uh michael's still alive he's still out there and he's going on a rampage through haddonfield as halloween night continues except this time some of michael's old victims or at least people he traumatized are not taking it anymore and they're taking the fight to him nice matt halloween kills has divided the internet film community some people saying it is the worst not just the worst film in the series but the worst film of the year others thinking that it's a fun kind of strong sequel for the franchise where do you fall with halloween kills yeah so i think i think people saying how bad it is I think are being a little dramatic. I feel like the people that have that are saying that are either a not super well versed in the land of horror sequels because many of them, especially in the slasher genre, are just plain not good, or they're of a particular bent where they are expecting a certain kind of thing, or they are the type of people who like something it's so bad it's good, where it's like if it's relatively competent but it's bad that's not that's the worst thing could ever like you could ever do to a film i mean i didn't particularly like it i thought there were a lot of eye-rolling moments to it but i didn't think it was as bad as some of the actual kind of let's call it uh main universe halloween sequels that are out there i would be uh, inclined to agree with you in fact i don't get what all the fuss is about i think it's one of the better sequels in a series that is truly hit and miss and miss in this, I mean, Halloween has some really atrocious sequels. 
And don't even get me started with people trying to revitalize or reclaim the Rob Zombie movies, oh which God. are not good. Now, so I, have, I have not seen them basically since they came out. I was one of the few times I actually almost wanted to walk out of a movie was the second one, which that film exists just to, you know, inflict pain and make people suffer. There's a cruelty to that film that I can't really even wrap my brain around. And they're also just really kind of dumb. And in a way, they try and rejigger the the whole franchise, what Michael Myers is all about. It spends way too much time in that first film giving us his backstory. Right? I mean, lots of just weird decisions. I don't know, Matt, if I just need to revisit those movies and report back. I don't know if I even want to. But I don't get what all the fuss is about. I don't know that some people think this isn't true to the series, which if you watch any of these films, they're all so crazy. I don't know if there is a inherent through-line truth to this franchise at all. And when you compare it to some of the other films, particularly what Resurrection, which is one of the worst films I think ever made, that's the one where they kill off Laurie Strode in the beginning after she came back for H2O. That's the one with mm-hmm. Busta Rhymes. Then they're shooting the uh, reality show in right. the old house. I just, yep. God, that film is abysmal. And I just can't, I can't wrap my head around it. I think this is fine. And I think it totally lives up to its title. Halloween Kills. It's got the highest body count of any of the Halloween films. And if that's what you're going for, if that's your thing, which I'll confess is a little bit of my thing, I think there's a lot in this movie to enjoy. I think the violence is exceptionally well done. I think it got some great gore effects in here. An exquisite body count. You know, and I'm wondering where are we going? Are we incorporating now a supernatural element into this? Kind of a la Curse of, right? I mean, I think they're certainly talking around that at some point in this film. Uh, what do you think? Are, are we leaning towards a supernatural element for Myers? Because he's just this unstoppable, what, 63-year-old guy or something like that? Yeah. I mean, it's kind of addressing the elephant in the room. Michael Myers has taken multiple gunshot wounds at point-blank range. He's been hit by cars. He's been stabbed, set on fire. And it just keeps coming. So, like, at some point, you kind of gotta indicate that he is this supernatural force like you know freddy or jason or anything like that which they ultimately ended up becoming and i think green and and boyle and and whoever else is writing this thing kind of really leaning into it um i guess is the right thing to do because they seem to be kind of hitting all these beats and references to the kind of halloween mythos as a whole even in the easter eggs that are out there i guess is the right thing to do because they seem to be kind of hitting all these beats and references to the kind of halloween mythos as a whole even in the easter eggs that are out there so yeah i can see them definitely going that way although i i I will admit at the end as they kind of went towards that i was like is this really happening is this like a dream sequence what is what is going on here as we get uh laurie's voiceover of where they seem to be going with this Mm, yeah, I'm not I'm not sure, but I am interested to see where this goes. I thought the first remake or second first renew sequel, I'm not sure what you want to call it, but Halloween 2018 was fine. I thought it was just okay. I was actually I think a little disappointed by it. I expected a little more. I think I enjoyed this more. I think probably just cuz we really upped the body count and we go all in. This is, you know, kind of Michael Myers is what, I don't know, masterpiece of carnage. This is where he really shines and then just starts picking people off left and right. And there's a part of me that kind of enjoys that stuff. I really like watching that. I think it was very well done. What did you think about that? Did you think there's just too much violence in this film? 
No, because um, like you made reference to the zombie films, at least it's not as cruel, I guess. It's got a little bit more of the, the campiness as well. Not as much brutality, or at least it doesn't seem as um, ugly as it does. I mean, it's not quite as campy as some of those other ones as they've come to. It's kind of draws that line, and I think it works really well for this. Do you look at this as kind of like a camp film? Maybe a little, not really. I don't think it's quite over the top enough. I don't think it's quite tongue in cheek. I think it's gotten pieces of that. But I think a lot of this is fan service too. Like, uh, spoiler alert, guys, but uh, keep an eye out for the Silver Shamrock masks. I knew Chris would have been pretty happy when he saw those. Um, so oh, there's no a lot idea. of that kind of thing. There was a lot of that stuff in this. So, yeah, I think this is kind of like a weird meta overall reference thing trying to make itself make sense of all this and we'll see if they get a third one i don't are they gonna are we for sure thinking we're gonna get a third one at this point oh yeah absolutely yeah it has yeah. a date and everything and i want to talk about that in a little bit because i'm when i've read recently what the plan was for the newest one i'm oh more than a little concerned <laughs> okay. but i think yeah i think there's a lot of fan service in this you know anthony michael hall plays tommy doyle right the little boy from the first film the og sheriff is in this as well. He's retired now and works security at the hospital. Uh, and a bunch of other characters come back from the first film as well. And it was kind of fun to see them reintroduced kind of into this world. But yeah, it didn't feel overly heavy handed to me. What did feel overly heavy handed to me, Matt, was some of the political messaging that I think that they try and go for, particularly their commentary on the mob mentality. It felt and fell a little flat for me. And Matt, when I read what the future is going to be, where it's not going to be again where we pick up right after this last one ended like this time, we're actually going to fast forward to 2022. So it's going to be in air quotes real time. And there will be stuff dealing with the pandemic. And I'm like, come on. It's all right to create cultural works in a non-pandemic world. I don't need, I maybe I'm wrong and Gordon and crew will blow me away. But I don't know if I need some kind of meta commentary on compliance with social distancing and mask wearing and all this other stuff dealing with a pandemic. I don't know if it's going to be an issue, Matt, where half of the Haddonfield police force and the fire department have resigned because they refused to get the uh, vaccine. And that's why we're so short staffed against Michael. I, I don't know. But I don't really think I need any of that. What do you think? So what are the, what's the over under where you're going to see Michael Myers and his white uh, Captain Kirk mask with a with an actual like N95 <laughs> strapped onto the front of it? It's entirely possible. <laughs> it is entirely possible. And I want to get what are your thoughts on the mob mentality? And I mean, and the constant refrain. Evil dies tonight. Yeah. Evil dies tonight. Like it, throughout the film, like over and over. Yeah, that kind of. Um, speechifying um that's part of the things that were make were giving me the eye rolls i think there were parts of this that i really enjoyed but the whole you know anthony michael hall bit i could have done without you know the whole you know lori talking to the the sheriff uh in the the hospital room and just the voiceover and the long kind of deep conversations they have that's the kind of stuff that doesn't really work here it doesn't really fit and i i I can kind of see what they were trying to do, but they didn't have the skill or finesse to pull it off, I don't think. I think that's fair. And I want to give some other props too, where they bring back sort of uh, Loomis. They do some makeup work, and I guess the guy does yeah, a pretty good pretty impression good. of yeah, Dr. Loomis. Yeah, pretty good. That was fun. And I, I want to say too, it may come up later on, but 
I really enjoyed uh, some of the victims, if you will, particularly Big John and Little John. <laughs> With Scott MacArthur and Michael McDonald were uh, just a joy to watch on screen. And uh, yeah, I don't, like I said, I think there's a lot to get out of this thing. It's not horrible. It's not. In fact, Matt, I ended up giving Halloween Kills a B minus. I think that's fair. I think uh, I teeter on a B minus C plus. I think I'm going to go with a C plus because I, I kind of rolled my eyes a little bit at it. But looking on like film Twitter, just people are just apocalyptic angry about this thing. And I don't get it. And I even think I saw somebody saying, what's the worst movie of the year? This or, you know, Let There Be Carnage. And I can say with utmost confidence that Let There Be Carnage is much worse than this by a lot. There are a couple people we follow. I think it's Binge Movies and then was it yeah. David from Piercing? Yeah. Uh, I told, I responded to them. So I would watch Halloween kills a dozen times before I would watch Venom. Let there be carnage. There is football fields of differences in length between these two films in terms of quality. It really, yeah, no Venom. Let there be carnage is almost for me. Nigh unwatchable. This is, I enjoyed clearly. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. There you go. So have you a chance to see Halloween kills? We'd love to hear your thoughts. Shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. You'll have to listen on later to the show to see if any of the kills in this film make our five favorites. It is available currently in theaters. I saw it, Matt, in the Dolby. You watched it on Peacock. How was that experience? It was fine. In fact, I loved it, um, to be quite honest with you. I'm really... I don't know if it's this show or if I'm just getting old or what, but like to get me out to the theater and just the sheer amount of time that that takes up in my day or my night... I better be really into it. So if like I, if it's not something I'm like dying to see, like next week's upcoming movie in Dune that I want to see on the big screen, like if I can take it or leave it, I'd much rather watch it at home. I just got an email invite to watch uh, Lamb at home for May 24 for 20 bucks. Oh, you should do it. You should do it. How Tuesday much? Tuesday night, nine o'clock. I am seriously considering it. How much is it? 20 bucks. 20 bucks. Which I'm a little hesitant on because I have the A, I'm, I'm an A lister for the AMC, right? right? So if I right. can, but I'm down to one screening a day at like 3 30. Right. So yeah. I have no idea if I'm going to be able to check it out, but I do want to see Lamb. I know you've seen it, so we're going to pocket that. We'll talk about okay. that. And again, also, too, maybe next week I can double down because I'm going to see The Last Duel on Saturday. I believe you've seen that as well. Mr. I don't like to go to the theaters who's been outpacing me the last week or two. I did the math and it's like, Going to the movie is like a five to six hour event. Like that's really what it boils down to, you know? Yeah. Now you're right about that. All right. Let's go ahead and keep rolling, Matt. Let's talk about what's coming up on Blu-ray this upcoming Tuesday, October 26th. Evil dies tonight! Evil dies tonight! Now keep in mind, folks, this is going to be an adult show. All right? This is going to be a hard R for verbiage, for language, because I love this one clip from this movie so much. No, fuck you! 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 I can't believe you don't care that I stole only that I got caught! I don't only care that you got caught. I care that you got caught for stealing something as stupid as a fucking TV watch! It does other things too! Better when you your phone call, fucking dude, it's embarrassing! No, what's fucking embarrassing is having you as my father! Burn. All right, Matt, that, of course, is a clip from The Suicide Squad, James Gunn kind of relaunch of the DC property, an entertaining film, lots of fun, and you can pick it up on physical media this upcoming Tuesday, October 26th. Best Buy has an exclusive steelbook. Target's got a cover and an exclusive edition of something. 
Once again, they have not updated their website to let me know what that is. Includes a Dolmy Atmos audio track, gag reel, and a bunch of making of featurettes, and as well as director's commentary and some deleted and extended scenes. Matt, one we didn't do for the show, but I still think I want to catch up with it because I like the original so much, though unfortunately the director, Fidi Alvarez, did not do the sequel. And that's Don't Breathe 2. Includes an alternate ending, uh, three making of featurettes, and a couple commentaries as well. The Matt Damon-led film Stillwater, which we did a few weeks back for the show, is being released. You got uh, two featurettes as well as an interview with the director, Tom McCarthy. One we did, was it earlier this year? I think it was. Rashida Jones and Bill Murray on the Rocks is being released. I think you can at least rent that, but I don't know if there's any real drive to run and check one, that one out. Do you even remember on the Rocks, Matt? Very, very faintly. It's been a lot of movies between that then and now. It certainly has been. What else is coming out? Warning, starring Alice Eve and Thomas Jane. The meaning of life explored through the multi-interconnected lives set in the near future. Oh, boy. New to Blu-ray, Criterion is releasing Devi, also known as The Goddess, the brand new 4K restoration of that film. A young woman's father-in-law begins to believe that she is a reincarnation of the goddess Kali, to whom he is strongly devoted. As she falls under the adoring eyes of other villagers, she begins to lose herself to the illusion. Includes a new program featuring interviews with some of the actors, a video essay, and more. Vestron is releasing the Patrick Swayze film Steel Dawn. So as he plays Nomad, a new breed of warrior trained in the arts of swordsmanship and hand-to-hand combat, Matt, as he roams the vast desert wastelands in a post-nuclear age. I've never seen Steel Dawn, have you? I have not. Fair enough. Includes another commentary by the director, uh, a bunch of new interviews, and more. Megan is Missing, which is based on actual events. Director Michael K. Goy's harrowing cautionary tale drama tells a tale of two typical teenage girls who vanished without a trace after being accosted by an internet predator. Shout Factory is releasing the dreadful Nothing But Trouble, the Chevy Chase, Dan Aykroyd, John Candy, Demi Moore, and Tyler Negron film from back in the day. Ooh, I remember seeing this. It's just, it's horrible. Absolutely horrible. Directed by Aykroyd as well. Scream Factory is releasing Killer Party. It's April's Fool's Day, Matt, and sisters of Sigma Alpha Pi have found the perfect place to throw a party. The abandoned fraternity house where a guillotine pledge lost his head and a hazing gone slightly awry. That doesn't sound promising. whole bunch of new interviews on this one are your features. Warner Archive is releasing Children of the Damned. Scientists discover that there are six children who each have enormous intelligence. The children are flown to London to be studied, but they each escape their embassy and gather in a church. Warner Archive is also releasing Eyes of the Devil, Mary Stephen, M.D., Dinner at 8, featuring John and Lionel Barrymore. Severn is releasing An Angel for Satan, starring Barbara Steele in her final Italian Gothic period film. Brand new 2K restoration of that one, with an audio commentary including Barbara Steele. Severn is also releasing Franco Noir. Two just Franco Noir films, Rafifi in the City and Death Whistles the Blues. Brand new restorations on those. Kino Lorber is releasing Hot Saturday, Devil in the Deep, both featuring Cary Grant. Vinegar Syndrome is releasing a uh, slew of films as well. Camille Keaton in Italy with a brand new 4K restoration of that one. Tragic Ceremony gets a 2K restoration. The Laughing Dead 4K restoration. Nothing Underneath slash Too Beautiful to Die 4K restoration on that one. The Great 2K restoration. And Matt, one of the big ones for me, which I'm very excited about. Do you ever see Ticks? I've heard of it. I've never seen it. 
It is awesome in a horrible way. Well, Tix is getting a 4K UHD release from Vinegar Syndrome. Brand new 4K restoration, commentary tracks, uh, tons of stuff. I cannot wait to pick up my copy of Tix. Getting a release in 4K as well with a steelbook is Summer of 84. It's uh, It was on Shudder for a while and I watched it. It's pretty, it's pretty good. Arrow is releasing the Jallo Essentials, which includes The Possessed, The Fifth Chord, The Pajama Case. All brand new 2K restorations on those. Superman, the complete animated series, Matt. This is the one from 96 to 2000 is being released with five other featurettes. The Incredible Hulk, the complete series, the uh, classic show from the 70s. You can pick that up on Blu-ray. Scorpion releasing is releasing Fritz the Cat, as well as The Nine Lives of Fritz the Cat, the original adult cartoons. You're getting Steelbooks of Rob Zombie's 31 from Target. And then finally, your UHD 4K releases this week are going to be the original I Spit on Your Grave, the five-film collection of Underworld. Man, you want to talk about a series that is just horrible. Severin was releasing Paul Morrissey's Blood for Dracula with a 4K restoration and a CD disc of the soundtrack with a bunch of featurettes. Arrow is releasing the classic Deep Red. You can get the original art cover as well as a traditional art cover. Um, limited edition packaging is included with that and with a collector's booklet, a fold-out, double-sided poster, and six double-sided poster card, lobby card reproductions. I bought this on Blu-ray when they did the restoration a couple years ago. I, I'm not going to be upgrading. And then finally, Matt, your straight-to-DVD pick of the week, Shit and Champagne. After fiancé Rod and her half-sister Brandy, the world-renowned calf model, are both brutally murdered. Champagne Horowitz Jones Dickerson White, a divorcee and exotic dancer from the wrong side of the tracks, uses all the right moves to single-handedly take on the largest sex drug and back-to-school clothing ring in the country. Matt, a lot going on there. What should we be streaming this week? So, um, spooky season continues. Do you remember The Babysitter, a film that we watched maybe a year or two ago starring Samara Weaving um, by McGee, of all people, where a it's kind of a comedy horror where the babysitter is going to sacrifice their babysitty? Absolutely. Yeah. Well, it's, I want to recommend you check that out again. Um, I caught up with it again. And Bella Thorne is still funny as hell um, in the in the actual film. It's available on Netflix. It's uh, kind of a lighthearted uh, horror comedy. And you know what? I don't like horror comedies, so if I'm recommending it, it must be a pretty good one. Have you seen the sequel? I believe that's on Netflix as well. I have not watched it. I haven't watched it yet either, no. Hmm. Fair enough. I think everybody comes back except for weaving. Well, the best part. All right, Matt. Let's go ahead and continue our body horror marathon with the shortest film in the series, but maybe the trippiest. Let's talk about Tetsuo.
All right, Matt. So typically, I take the second film, but good Lord, I wanted to pass this one off to you to explain to the audience what is Tetsuo the Iron Man all about. But um, I'm oh, you're going to do it. I can tackle it. No, I can do it. So there is a metal fetishist, I guess is what he's known as. And he the movie starts off with him doing a little experimentation on himself. Well, he's going for a walk afterwards. He has this adverse reaction to what he does. And he gets hit by a car. And then we flash forward to this young man and his girlfriend. And he seems to slowly be become infected by metal. And his body slowly transforms and then accelerates. And then our metal fetishist shows up to get some revenge, perhaps, and more. I mean, it is, Matt, a bizarre film. Running at 67 minutes. But when you and I were talking off air, and I told you how excited I was when I saw how short it was, you basically said, what's on the fact that it, it really makes all of it great use of, run, of its runtime. It's a whole lot of movie, I think is what you said, in that 67 minutes. So... What are your thoughts on Tetsuo? And I I don't know, Matt. I'm not even sure to where to begin. So let's start with that. What are your thoughts? It's insane. Yeah, so I guess my immediate thought is that either this is great or it's garbage, and I can't figure out which one it is at this point. I'm also astounded that there are two sequels to this thing, um, or at mm. least uh, the... Uh, director who is the metal fetishist by the way i yep. figured that out that's the guy who wrote and directed this thing yeah it's like a fever dream like it's, it seems like it's indebted to lynch in a lot of ways some of his more whacked out films yeah it's definitely got some cronenberg kind of touches to it i, I hesitate to call that it's really a story it's basically just images there's very little dialogue. Even if you have to watch this thing in without subtitles, I don't think you're going to miss very much. I think you can mm. pick up most of what this is. And some of it is just bizarre, and but really interesting. And other of it's kind of bizarre and disturbing. And sometimes it just looks really amateurish. I'm kind of all over the place with this thing. I'm not even sure how to take it. I respect the sheer madness of it. I really do. And there's a couple of times when I was watching this, I was like, my God, this is insane. What am I, what am I watching here? Or I think that I had that same word frenetic in here, Matt. It's like watching someone's half lucid nightmare come to life, really an arresting viewing experience. And they are, let me tell you there, uh, our salary man, as he's known there and listed on Wikipedia is one interesting guy and him and his, and his girlfriend are one freaky couple. I'll tell you that when they're having that, when he's serving her breakfast, all I can think about is, I wonder if the Howell dinners are like that. Is that what Matt's family is like? But either way, it's an odd thing. It's an odd environment the film is in too. It's always very sweaty and very hot. It feels at times like a cyberpunk kind of Frankenstein in the way it's shot. And I think it's all, I want to point out too, it's in black and white, which I think is really effective because A, not only with black and white can you hide a lot of stuff, when it comes to having a limited budget, but it can make things that much more severe and terrifying. And I think it was a f really effective, particularly in that bathroom reveal scene when the girlfriend kind of forces her way into the bathroom and then he's kind of in the dark, barely lit. That was creepy as all hell. And this film takes a lot of weird turns. I mean, there's a lot to say here about kind of what, what sexuality and power. I mean, you look at the end of the film, Matt, when the 
tank-like devices rolling through the streets, uh, ushering in this new era, perhaps. Maybe there there is a trans allegory in here that a member of that community would be better positioned to explore. But like on top of that tank, it's clearly like the outline of a penis. And the film, I'll tell you, the film certainly isn't straight. I know that much. And it clearly has a bunch to say about masculinity and what it means to couple and be with people. And it's, I don't, I'm still figuring out what the hell happened in this thing and wrapping my head around it. And which is something I typically enjoy in these types of movies. I will say that pairing this with Tokyo Gore Police, it makes me really wonder about some of the Japanese sensibilities for some of this stuff. Yeah, I... I, again, I don't really know where to go with this. I, I'm i glad I saw it. I'm glad I caught up with it. Um, I don't regret watching it, but I don't know if I'm ever going to watch it again. Like, I don't feel like it's won a convert in me. There's a box set that Arrow put out of uh, Sukumoto's films, including this and the two sequels, and some short films, I believe, as well. And I've, I'm the same way. I don't, know if, I don't know if I need to explore this any further. Now, I bought this because... Apple had it on sale for $3. I could rent it for a dollar or buy it for three. And I'm like, three bucks? I'll take a shot. Yeah. I don't know if I'll ever watch it again. But it is a singular, unique vision. I will give him that with some really fascinating effects that are clearly done on the cheap. A lot of stop motion stuff, you know, clearly just metal objects found in a junkyard just glued on to a bodysuit that this guy's wearing. But it's still, in a weird way, just subtly, just really effective and creepy and off-putting. And I think there's a lot to, I don't know if enjoy is the right word, but a lot to experience. Uh, and I think it's it's worth checking out. I ended up giving Tetsuo the Iron Man a B plus, man, I, just because I'm not. it confounds me. I'm like yeah. Daniel Craig and Knives Out. Yeah, I'm going to be non-committal with this. I'm going to give it a C. I can't really recommend it. I respect, like you said, I respect what it was set out to do, and he definitely had a singular vision, but that vision is not for me. And I don't know if I can recommend this to anybody. And if I do know somebody that I would like, you would love this, I would really have to question whether I want to keep hanging out with that person. (laughs) I mean, there's one particular scene when the whole relationship between all three of our parties here is revealed that did kind of like i kind of felt i had an idea where everything was going but there's that one moment i was like wow damn you know i was actually really impressed with that with the decision that was made there and i it really knocked me on my keister there yeah i wonder a lot about stuff i remember once reading years and years ago when i was really more into into world war ii a lot of the kind of psychosexual issues that you see in japanese films is part of the reconstruction effort by the United States and how Puritan we were when we helped rebuild the country after the bombings. And that's why their adult films are pixelated, is because of that. And it's, it's a weird history. You should look into that if anybody's interested about it. It's fascinating. And it really seems to have informed the culture as well, not just World War II and the nuclear bombings, but then kind of, you know, the, the reconstruction and, and what we kind of contributed to it afterwards. Anyway. On a side note, choose an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. What are your thoughts on Tetsuo the Iron Man as our body horror marathon continues? We'd love to hear. All right, now let's close out the show and share our five favorite Halloween kills. One of my favorite things about Halloween Kills the movie 
Maybe we should say Michael Myers kills to avoid the uh, any confusion in titles there. One of my favorite things, as he said, is clearly we're putting the Halloween 3 universe in the Michael Myers universe. So they exist in the same space and time. And if they were using a mask, clearly Halloween 3 has not happened yet in the David Gordon Green, Michael Myers universe. So I really wonder maybe at some point, could we revisit that? I can't tell you how excited I would be if we actually did the original plan and did a different kind of horror film every year under Halloween, at least for a couple of years. Give it to me for like three years and then go back to Michael. But seeing that Halloween 3 is officially canon in this universe made me very happy. Be in front of your TV sets for the horathon, and remember the big giveaway at nine. Don't miss it, and don't forget to wear your masks. The clock is ticking. It's almost time. That's right, Matt. You know, Alan Howarth, who did the music, uh, is the voice of the narrator there. It's almost time, kids. Now, you really love that clip. You really want to play it whenever you can. <laughs> I play Halloween 3 as often as I can. I watched it again uh, last week, this past week. I I just love that film. It's so much fun. It's such a great representation of 80s horror. It's so goofy. It's so much fun. All right. Matt, I mean, plus what am I going to do? You're going to listen to an audio clip of somebody screaming and hearing some squishy stabbing sounds? Very true. Fair enough. All right, good. Matt, why don't you go first? What is your fifth favorite Michael Myers kill in the Halloween franchise? This was an interesting list to put together because Michael Myers is not known for the creativity of his skills like uh, a Jason or a Freddy is. So Hmm. I had to struggle a little bit here. So my number five then is just for sheer graphic lunacy. And it looks like it's something that would come out of a Friday the 13th movie. And that's in the Halloween 2018 where Michael Myers stomps on the head of New Loomis and it busts like a rotten pumpkin all over the place. And it's probably one of the goriest things they've done in any of these movies that I can recall. It looks so fake that it almost made me chuckle a little bit. That is a good one. All right, my number five then. I'm reaching back, going to Halloween 4, The Return of Michael Myers, and Kelly Meeker. So she stumbles across Michael. He's sitting in a chair with a shotgun. And comes up and then, of course, Michael doesn't shoot people. He never really has, right? So you're thinking, what's he doing with a shotgun? What's he do? He impales her with the shotgun. Badass. That ends up being my number five. My number four then, bit of a spoiler, so maybe skip ahead like 45 seconds. But my number four is from the new film, Halloween Kills, where they're hunting down Michael Myers in the in the playground and the doctor couple, they get killed. I thought that was where they basically end up. The guy gets killed pretty gruesomely by Michaels. And then the, the woman is trying to shoot him and he kicks the door and she ends up shooting herself in the face with it. Uh, her own gun, I thought was pretty clever. There you go. That's a bit of social commentary that I actually thought was pretty good and pretty funny. Mm-hmm. That's a good one, Matt, too. Didn't quite make my list. It was uh, basically my number six, the uh, doc and the nurse. So then my number four is going to be from The Curse of Michael Myers, and that's John Strode and him getting electrocuted and then exploding 
from the electrocution. Michael plucks him up against this open wire cable socket. I don't remember what it was now. And he starts zapping and shaking, and all of a sudden, boom, he pops. And uh, it's pretty gross. So that's my four. All right. Uh, so my number three is uh, an iconic kill, one that gets referenced in, I think it was referenced in the the Rob Zombie remake. I don't know if it's been referenced in this one yet, but that's where Bob is pinned to the pantry door. Uh, basically, Michael comes out behind him while he's getting a post-coital snack and stabs him through the chest with a butcher's knife as he pins him up against the wall, and he just hangs there. Somehow, that butcher knife is plunged in so deep it can hold up like a 200-pound man about you know a foot off the ground. Yeah, I'm not familiar with that scene. Okay, uh, my <laughs> number three then is going to be the hot tub death of Karen Bailey from the original Halloween 2, where basically he just not only drowns her, but boils her alive because they ramp up the uh, the temperature. So she's in there and he's holding her down and she's basically skin burning, peeling, and then ugh, gruesome stuff and a horrible way to go. So Karen Bailey is boiling alive from Halloween 2 is my three. Yeah, that's my number two. It's it's the thing that stuck with me from that film more than anything. I mm. had watched a long time ago, and I caught up with it again, and it's still it's it's an okay sequel. But um, that one kill where they really just drive home, man, sexy time equals death if you're in a slasher movie. And uh, unfortunately, Karen Bailey had to be on the receiving end of that. Not cool, man. Not cool. So then my number two. You're making me rethink this. Maybe I should have swapped these out now for three and two. Either way, my number two is the deaths of Big John and Little John from Halloween Kills, particularly the eye gouging, crushing of the head part. I mean, that mm. was so visceral to me and so unsettling that I actually squirmed in my seat while it happened. Mm. And uh, kudos to Gordon Green and the crew for that one, because that one was woof, woof, rough. Yeah, it was icky. All right, so my number one then is another iconic kill. I think maybe the most iconic kill from the original Halloween, and that's um, when Ghost Michael shows up, um, the creepy kind of standing in the doorway. Linda doesn't know who it is, thinks it's Bob. It's not Bob. And, uh, yeah, poor Linda has to go the way of of, uh, Judith Myers. Yeah, so I actually have my number one. I guess it's a cheat. It's from the first Halloween film, and it's the death of Bob and Linda. Mm. First when he stabs him and basically gotcha. hanging him up on the wall. And then, like you said, possibly the most iconic moment in the entire series when that door opens and he's wearing the sheet and looks like a ghost. And maybe not even her killing, but more just that moment when he opens right. the door and she starts yeah. talking to him. I mean, it's it's still very effective and chilling. I, re- I rewatched the original Halloween too. What I actually watched was my uh mr sandman cut blu-ray which is the blending of the first two films with some of the tv stuff added in so it's i don't know it's an interesting watch and i I rather enjoy it so but yeah that's my number one as well matt any honorable mentions in halloween kills where it happens off screen but michael appears at the playground again and he tosses the silver shamrock mask that still has a head in it um towards the car and bounces off the car i thought was a pretty good little call there obviously the original kill the kill of judith myers through the eyes of the mask um that's that's a great scene and then um again the original halloween annie being strangled in the car she leaves you think she's safe and then she goes back and then she's like huh why is there a bunch of uh, condensation on the window that's because there's a heavy breather in the back that's exactly (laughs) right yeah actually i had both of those i had judith and annie um, I have the uh, two cops from the 2018 Halloween, particularly Francis, who gets decapitated in the flashlight 
put up into oh, yeah, his head, cool. which is a that was cool. Yeah, and a creepy visual. And then finally, I got to give props to the firefighter masker from Halloween Kills. I mean, that yeah. thing is intense and unrelenting. So there you go. Those are our lists and our honorable mentions. What's your favorite Halloween kills? Well, again, Michael Myers kills in the Halloween franchise. Shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. We would love to get your thoughts. Evil dies tonight! Matt, next week. You've been looking forward to this one for how long? I know. This is this is where the year really good, kicks into overdrive for us. Absolutely. But you finally, we finally get to discuss Dune. And we'll see what happens. It, there, there's already a bit of a panic because somebody, somebody somehow, somehow screwed up and leaked it early. So you can actually torrent it right now. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I saw that online. So that's not good. I'll be, I got my Dolby tickets already, Matt, for Monday night. Are you going IMAX, Dolby? What's the plan? H, don't um, tell me you're not doing gonna, HBO Max. No, I'm not doing HBO Max. I'm going to go to the Dolby. Although if I end up really liking it and I feel like watching it again, I do like having the option where I can just watch it on HBO Max instead of having to go back to the theater. Yeah, that'll be good. And then finally, we'll be discussing, well not finally, but we'll also be discussing The Incredible Melting Man as part of our body horror marathon and more. In the meantime, why don't you go ahead and check us out. You can find us at thefirstrun.com and then Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Do a search for The First Run. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Eventually you will find us. Head on over to Apple Podcasts and give us a review. It'll help other people find the show and we'll read that on air. Uh, the latest episode of Screen Run with Aliens will be dropping this Monday featuring Matt and I, along with, of course, the head of the show, the Lady Juan. We just recorded the Alien 3 episode yesterday, Matt, and that was pretty good. We did that with okay. Sean. Sean actually wanted to talk about that one, so he joined us for that discussion. And uh, I guess that's it. So, Matt, why don't we go ahead, take an extended break. Everybody, take care of yourselves. We love you. Get vaccinated. And we'll see you all soon. Stop it, please. For God's sake, please stop it. There's no more time. You've got to... Please stop it. Stop it now. Turn it off. Turn it off. Stop it. 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 Stop it.